everyone, and welcome to the Balanced Purpose Podcast. My name is Ray Trevino, and I am your host. Each week, we will explore the essential elements of living a fulfilling, balanced, and meaningful life. Our podcast brings together entrepreneurs, business executives, coaches, and everyday people like you and me who have seen challenges and have overcome adversities to create success and find balance in their lives. Whether you're a young professional seeking to make an impact in your career, a parent looking to balance work and family life, or a retiree seeking to create a new purpose, our podcast is something for everyone. So join us as we delve into the world of living a balanced and purposeful life and discover how you can create a life of balance and purpose for yourself. Today's guest is the co-founder of KV Impact Consulting and the director of Cyber Risk at Centrical Cyber. He is an international business consultant with a diverse and rich background in multiple industries. I would like to welcome Kean Frith to our show. Kean, how you doing, man? Hey, good to see you, Ray. Good to see you. Great to have you here. Would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and maybe throwing a fun fact that most people don't know about you? So as you can tell, I'm not from around here in Texas. Uh, I'm an Englishman now living in Texas. And as good friend Bo Carrington says, he comes from way out east side of Texas. <laughs> I've been here for about two months now, officially as a green card holder. Uh, love being here in Texas and feel very privileged to be here. Uh, my wife is American. She's come home having been in the UK for over 20 years. So it's just wonderful to be here in Texas. And uh, I, I love it. Absolutely love it. What a great place to, to live and work. Now, you ask about a fun fact about me. I, I could actually go through a whole list of different things. Um, I used to be a dancer, a con contemporary dancer. I played clarinet. Almost killed myself in a kayaking accident. I wanted to be a Royal Marine, but I didn't like being shouted at by squaddies. I was 18 years old, so I gave that up. <laughs> but do you know what? It was it really interesting. I was listening to um, Aaron Banks, and he was talking about his cherry chapstick. So I'm going to keep going on that mm. little theme there. An interesting fact, I love Sour Patch Kids, which makes for a very, very <laughs> entertaining 10-hour flight. My stepdaughter thinks I'm absolutely raving bonkers, because once I've eaten Sour Patch Kids, I'm bouncing off the walls. <laughs> on a 10-hour flight <laughs> on a 10-hour flight i do not calm down no <laughs> that's amazing so how has your transition been from the uk to the united states well do you, do you know what it's been really interesting because i've been coming and going for the last two years that's how long the whole green car process has been and i've been getting to know people and it's made it a lot easier, but it was kind of fun because when I first came over here in December, 2020, we just got married, Victoria and I, and uh, we had a fantastic trip and most amazing hospitality and kindness. You guys here in Texas are incredible. I just blown away to the point where landed into Houston airport and was expecting your border control to go, um, well, Mr. Fritha, where, where, where are you heading, sir? And I was going to San Antonio and was expected to be told, can you go and quarantine for two weeks, please? Because it was during the time of COVID. So them going, hey, you're going to San Antonio? Well, you need to make sure you go to um, the river walk, make sure you go to, make sure you go to. And I was like, what? You guys are awesome. I love it. And so I, I just had the most incredible welcome. And then, as I say, I've been coming and going for the last two years just getting to know people. But my very first trip, uh, I went up to Austin, went to the Small Business Expo. I didn't know anybody, didn't know anybody in the business world. And I'm just going, okay, Lord, you're in control of this. I don't know where this is going to go, but you start introducing me to people. And actually, 
Doors started to open. Um, I met then some folk in San Antonio, some folk in Houston, and then it just started to get the ball rolling, which was just incredible. So really, really thankful for that. And now I'm at the point where my wife, who was born in Houston, raised San Antonio, lived here in, in Texas for many, many years, is going, wait a minute, Kian, you know more people than I do now. <laughs> but, <laughs> hey, there you go. As you can tell, I talk a lot, you see. So whenever I go anywhere, people invariably want to talk to the Englishman because there's not too many of us here in San Antonio. Uh, and two, I just don't generally shut up from the moment I wake up in the morning to the time I go to bed. So, Did you have any Sour Patch Kids before the call? No, <laughs> just be thankful I didn't because if I had, that would be a real problem. <laughs> no, this is just me, Ray. I'm sorry. That's perfect. I love it. You know, they say that Texas is the greatest country in the world, right? Some may even say the Garden of Eden, but you know, we're still looking for proof. But welcome. We're glad to have you here. Thank you. Do you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it the Garden of Eden, though, because it's a bit brown compared to the UK. Uh, it's funny. We, we miss some of our, our green country parks. And, um, you know, that, that little bit of that, that strange stuff that comes from the sky, you know, that, that water stuff. You know, we had it on a regular basis in England, keeping it nice and green. We don't have it here too often, but... Not a good year for it. It is a pretty incredible place, and I love the welcome. So, thank you. That's awesome. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Let's talk a little bit about what you do. So, you're in the cyber risk field, as well as a business consultant. <laughs> yeah. Cyber risk is kind of a big deal, you know, with with the current global landscape, there are threats that just have evolved and evolved and evolved over even just the last decade. Yeah. What are some current major threats that you see and what industry are you mainly targeting? Not as a threat, but as a cyber risk professional. I've got to make sure I say that right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm definitely not targeting any sectors. Uh, it's, it's really interesting. The whole... Cyber has been a hot topic now for a few years, and we've seen it grow exponentially over the last few years. And so much so, you know, you've got San Antonio is absolute hotbed for cybersecurity from the technical side of helping businesses identify the threats and deal with them and, 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 and do that whole technical piece. Where I come from is very much the non-technical aspect. And the cyber risk piece is now, right at the moment, is really, really tiny. But we see massive opportunity for growth over the next few years because the biggest threat I see at the moment isn't necessarily the technical threats themselves. It's the understanding of executives, the understanding of business owners, the small businesses who go, it's never going to happen to me, those cyber threats, those cyber incidents. You know, it's always going to happen to that other person and not me. Actually, that's pretty much one of the biggest threats right now because a lot of organizations, they put sophisticated cybersecurity controls in place and they that their executives and business owners then assume that their business is okay, but they don't deal with the non-technical stuff. They, they don't put in place the governance and, and the assurances that they really ought to have. And so many businesses that we are seeing are very exposed. We do a lot of work with regulated entities. So you mentioned about Central Cyber. Central Cyber is a company based out in Guernsey in the Channel Islands off the coast of France, over there, uh, the other side of the pond. And that was set up to help regulated entities. So financial companies who have to meet regulatory rules. As it were, that's kind of like our bread and butter is financial services and very much where KV Impact has been working with clients here in, in the US as well is helping those regulated entities have to meet SEC rules, for example. And, and it can sound really dull and boring, but you know, at the same time, when we go in and help 
the businesses love it. You know, I, I tell a story about how I sat there in a client meeting. It was a Friday afternoon. Why on earth I was doing an assessment on a Friday afternoon? I do not know. I mean, like you couldn't time it any worse, really, Keen, you know. But at the same time, great client, lovely, lovely people sitting there and I'm asking these questions. And all of a sudden, the president of the company picks up his papers and he slams them on the boardroom table. In my head, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I am absolutely for it. Perhaps I've just pushed it too far in my questioning. Bear in mind, I'm an ex-auditor, so I like asking questions and I keep asking questions and you're chuckling, Ray, but yeah, I don't also <laughs> stop talking either. So I'm just going, going, going. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he, he's just had enough of this. And then he goes, why is it that nobody has ever asked me these questions before? I've been having these technical cybersecurity assessments for years and years and years, but no one has ever asked me these basic questions. I was like, because <laughs> 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 I was like, oh, okay, I haven't done something wrong. And he saw the benefit and that was just beautiful. So I'm hoping that more clients in that kind of financial services realm will see the benefits now in due course as well. We use the phrase in England, when the penny drops, you know, when that, that light bulb moment happens. When the penny drops, that's awesome. Now you mentioned something a little while ago. You said a lot of big companies have cybersecurity processes in place. What's the difference between cybersecurity and what you do in the cyber risk world? So cybersecurity is very technical. So it's putting the technical controls in place. It's having the technical know-how, the threat hunting, identifying threats, dealing with the threats from a very technical perspective. And, you know, you have some phenomenal experts in that field here in San Antonio who are doing that and they're doing a fantastic job. I sit on the other side of going, let's talk about risk exposures, executives. You've spent 20 years or so building up a fantastic reputation for your business. You've got wonderful clients, got some finance behind you, but what's the risk that your business is hit by a cyber incident and your reputation being wiped out, your finances being wiped out, and your client information or your intellectual property being stolen? And when you sit there and you ask that question, invariably they go, I've got no idea. And the reason being is they've never, ever kind of thought about cyber risk for their business because they've th heard the word cyber and gone, that's an IT issue. It's all about the technology. And so we just ask a simple question, you know, are you exposed? I mean, it was interesting. Warren Buffett said in 2014, it takes 20 years to build a reputation and just minutes to lose it. Now it can take 20 years to build a reputation and your reputation can be in tatters in seconds. I mean, fascinatingly, small businesses and those small businesses invariably don't have any cybersecurity in place. They certainly don't have any cybersecurity awareness. Majority of them, 40% of them go bankrupt within six months after a cyber incident. And that could easily be avoided. I find that just shocking. And, and that my, my love for people, my love for business says, I don't want that to happen. I love being a Christian. I, I love God. I love Jesus. I also love businesses. And I'm a bit of a cyber risk evangelist. I want those businesses to do the right thing to protect themselves, which is not what you're going to hear from the technology guys. And so primarily you go in and you expose vulnerabilities and help them understand what their risks are? Well, we help them understand where they've got exposures rather than the vulnerabilities. If you start using the word vulnerabilities, you're thinking about the technology side of things. So we're asking the questions of, is your IT managed service provider doing what they say they're doing? Do you actually have some of these 
technologies even in place? Do you have authentication? You've got to bear in mind, we're in October, cybersecurity months. There's a lot of chatter around this. So it's really pertinent right this moment as we're recording this. But there's so many organizations, they don't have authentication. They're not protecting data. They're not protecting mobile devices. They don't have policies in place. They don't have procedures in place. And so there's massive risk exposures that just are never being dealt with. I find that tragic. It is, and it, it isn't getting any easier, especially as emerging technologies come through, like quantum computing and even AI. Oh, yes. There's so much exposure out there that everyone needs to be aware of. How are you evolving with things like quantum computing and AI? That's an interesting one because we have some clients, we're having to go right back to the basics. So the idea of talking about quantum computing with them, those small, medium-sized businesses is just a step too far. Starting to talk about AI, that is starting to come up in conversation. You know, we have a client where part of the service that we, we provide, we provide or we can provide oversight. So that's a kind of like a monthly or quarterly kind of service. And we were having a conversation with them and, and starting to talk about AI. And the client was like, oh, well, we, we don't make use of it at all here in our business. And if we did, we, we would be getting worried. At which point someone said, uh, well, wait a minute, if we just look at the, the logs for internet usage, you have an awful lot of staff who are making use of AI at the moment. They're using chat GBT. These directors sat there and went, are you for real? <laughs> it's like, yes. We need to do something about that quite swiftly, don't we? Yes. <laughs> Um, so there's even a lot of organization, they're not really aware of it. And they're not aware that as soon as they put s- sort of company names, client names out there in ChatGPT to kind of help them, for example, that's it. They've just gone and lost IP. They've just gone and lost that information. And they, they haven't grasped that concept yet. But at the same time, there's some phenomenal benefits of using it. But it's understanding how you can do it in a safe way and make sure you set it up so that actually you're protecting your business at the same time and you're not let yourself have kind of risk exposures. Do you have any easy examples that people could do today to maybe help them out? One of the things that would be useful is have a conversation with your IT managed service provider or even your IT team. There's a lot of businesses these days don't have an internal IT team or they have a, a business owner or executive who set up a server, it sits in the corner of the office. They're very exposed if they do that, by the way. But an awful lot of companies are reliant on third-party IT managed service providers. If you're in that position, you've got concerns about AI, go talk to them, get some guidance, get some help, make sure you're using it safely, that there's appropriate policies in place. And actually, there's an education piece. So very practically, make sure you're educating your staff. Now, a lot of clients we go into, there is a real lack of education and training. They're not doing cyber training. They're not doing cybersecurity training. They need to be. And as part of that, they should be including AI as well. One of the reasons I say that is so many of the cyber incidents, they're not actually technical issues. They're human error. It's clicking on a phishing link, for example. It's doing something that actually they've probably been told not to do, but they went and did because there wasn't the training and awareness and they've gone and made a mistake. Got a great example of that. One client, that kind of thing happened in the middle of the night and didn't get picked up until the following morning, information had gone. It was a perfect storm in a teacup because following that cyber incident, unfortunately, what then happened was that the key individuals who would normally be responsible for dealing with a cyber incident weren't available. It then was left to a person, a CEO, who isn't normally involved, didn't really know what he was doing. It caused a bit more problem. That cyber incident, which is due to a phishing email, cost that business in excess of $1.25 million. Wow. It impacted their cyber insurance. 
One, they couldn't get insurance for a period of time. When they did, it cost three times as much and the level of cover plummeted. Wow. Really, really real. So people who aren't doing cyber training and not making their staff aware, you're playing with fire. Yeah, especially how prevalent it is nowadays. I don't wish to be this serious. It's not normally my style, I'll be honest. <laughs> well, right? I wouldn't call it serious. I would just call it real. It's bringing awareness to our listeners, uh, you know, because chat's all over the place. Sure. You know, AI is all over the place. And so it's really easy to, to click on a hyperlink and then get lost in that rabbit hole. And there you go. And I think tied to this, though, Ray, is the fact that I see a lot of businesses that are being run by incredible Christians. But again, that they're just not aware. And I think that actually they have really a responsibility to be doing the right thing and make sure they're protecting their business, because actually we're supposed to be in business for the glory of God. And that's how we set up KV Impact. KV Impact was set up following a trip up mm. to the empty cross at Kerrville. And, and we felt a real strong presence of God to go and set this business up to bring glory to his name. Uh, we'd spent a few hours up there talking to the vice president at the time. Didn't realize it was him. There's a funny story around it, really, because my, my wife, Victoria, was chatting away uh, to this little old man sitting under this shelter out near the empty cross. And I was like, oh, bless. You know, that's so sweet. You now I'll leave her just chatting away to this old guy. To then be told, hey, Kian, come, come over here. Come over here. You need to come and have a chat with this guy. So we start talking with him. And then you won't believe this, but I didn't really talk for two and a half hours. <laughs> this other guy basically spoke for about two and a half hours. And I just felt that I was asking him questions and just learning and growing. And then the conversation transpired. He, he was the vice president of the charity of the, the Empty Cross there. He prayed over us um, and, and shared some prophecy over us, along with one of the helpers there, a guy called Robert. And as I say, we then felt a real strong call from God to set this business up to give him all the glory. That's what we've gone and done. So where we're doing it, I'm, I have real heart for those other Christian business people who are you know, in business trying to do the right thing. Or maybe if they're not, they should be. And I want to really encourage that people do best, mm -hmm. best practice, do what's right um, to ensure they're always giving glory to God. You know, one of the problems I see is that there's so much information out there, both right and wrong that it's really easy to get confused on what's what you know and although someone may think that they're doing the right thing by setting up a certain system or allowing certain controls it may not be and so one thing that we need to get better at is providing that awareness to know hey you know what if you don't understand or it seems questionable don't do it and ask and and providing providing that that contact information of the right people to call like yourself, you know, to be able to, to help out in certain situations. So on top of cyber risk, you're also a business consultant, an international business consultant. So at what, what levels of business do you consult in all levels, C levels? Is there a certain niche that you have? I've been in business for over 25 years, a qualified accountant for over 20 years. That's UK qualified. And yeah, I've just loved doing business for a very long time. Um, I've been in all sorts of different roles, different sectors. And that experience has just enabled me to just draw on that to, to benefit and, and bless all sorts of businesses. I've worked with private banks, um, fine stationers, executive recruitment companies, um, financial services. And so I wouldn't say I have a, a, a niche, but where there's a business that, that wants some help and wants to think a little bit differently, I love working with them. And I have to say, uh, it, it's one of those things that I love 
just love being a business consultant. Uh, and I, I, I think that that's going to uh, morph and, and change in, in the coming weeks. And I think that I ought to add it there a little bit of a kind of like coming soon because there's something that's, that's developing, um, which is massively exciting and definitely a God moment. Um, there's some things that have happened over the last few weeks that, that they're humbling and they bring you to your knees and you go, okay, God, I don't quite understand this. I don't get what you're doing, but I'm going to run with it. And um, so, yeah, there's a coming soon, which is still linked to kind of business consulting um, and very, very exciting. So I still do some finance work. I, I basically act as a, a fractional FD. And that's one of my joys on a Friday night is sitting there doing a set of management accounts because you cannot beat doing numbers in Excel with the football going or, or some sport on. On a Friday night. Hey, talk about a party. <laughs> I know. I'm, it, it's sad, Ray. You know, we've spoken about doing trips to, to the beach and camping out and stuff. And we'll get to that once we've settled a little bit more here. Um, it's been a crazy summer. And I think for <laughs> ne- next summer, we'll head down to Corpus. We'll get down to that beach for those overnight camps and that. But at the moment, Friday nights are management counts. Well, call me. We'll, we'll be out there with you. You and I have had the opportunity to speak a few times. We've had lunch and had some great conversations. So now I want to want to talk a little bit about you, who you are and and your family so what what brought you to texas let's start there well i suppose i, I did mention that uh, i've I married victoria three years ago she's she's um, a texan and um she moved away from texas back in sort of 2003 she got she got married um to a, an english expat in houston and uh, um they went off to the uk her marriage failed um i was living in the uk at the time that i, I met her and I came from a failed marriage, very much my, my, my fault, my mistakes, and really had my eyes open. There's some testimony to that as well. And, and I'm more happy to share that in a moment. Um, I met Victoria at a, a church service. It was a carol service, so Christmas carols um, in, in December uh, 2019. And we'd both been introduced to each other by uh, this lovely lady who was doing um, a recovering from divorce course. And I was chatting to her. And then all of a sudden she stopped. Victoria was standing next to her. And, and Judy turns to Victoria and goes, wait a minute. You, you two have similar backgrounds. I, I ought to introduce you. And then from that moment on that Sunday afternoon, we talked every single day. And um, yeah, um, that, that's how we kind of met. And Valentine's Day... 2020, um, I dropped to one knee in a lovely Italian jazz bar in, in Nottingham, England, where, where we were living, and in front of um, several hundred people, proposed to her, and the whole of the, the restaurant just clapping and cheering. So, um, yeah, Mr. Romantic. That is awesome. And the rest is history, as they say, right? Yeah, the rest is history. So then we, went, then we tried to get married. Wedding was cancelled three times. Very, very nerve-wracking. Um, it was also during the time of COVID, so a ton of stuff going on, and it was very unsettling, very, very hard. And then we got into uh, end of October. UK government was starting to talk about doing another lockdown, and we we had a, a trip booked to Texas in December, and both of us getting very nervous, going, wait a minute, I can't travel as a British national um, to America under these COVID restrictions unless I'm married. And then the, the wedding's being cancelled. It's like, you are joking. Come on. We got to a Sunday afternoon and uh, the registrar from the local registry office phoned Victoria 
uh, a Sunday afternoon. We're like, what? What? What's going on? And the registrar was like, we're aware the UK is about to go into lockdown. Uh, you would probably like to get married, would you? And Victoria's like, uh, yeah, if you don't mind, we've got this trip to the US coming up. The only way I'm going to get there, I'm, the only way I'm going to get there is if I've got um, a marriage certificate with me. And uh, Rachel, I was like, well, how, how about Tuesday? Like, we're on Sunday afternoon. Yes. Okay. No problem at all. So Monday was frantic, just trying to organize a few things. And um, yeah, we then got, got married on November the 3rd uh, with two witnesses because that was all lockdown restrictions. So yeah, that was tough. But then we were, we were married. We can head to Texas. And as I say, I had a fantastic trip to Texas, um, had a, just a brilliant time and fell in love with Texas with Victoria going, I want to go home. We want to go home. So we then started that process of that green card. So, and it just took a long time, a really, really long time. But it was fascinating though, because when God opens doors, things happen quickly. So we've been waiting, 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 waiting. And then all of a sudden I had my interview date in London and, um, this was just the best. I'm absolutely having kittens worried about this interview in London and turned up to the embassy, find a humongous queue. Like my interview is at half past eight. No, I'm never going to make it on time. Panicking to a certain extent. And then I go, oh, wait a minute. Just keep calm. God's in control. And um, was told, don't worry. As long as you've registered before half past eight, you're absolutely fine. So don't worry. So anyway, I went through it about uh 10 minutes to nine in the end talking to this lovely couple all the way along for about 45 minutes and i know you're, you're struggling to believe i was talking but yeah i was talking to this lovely <laughs> couple in front of me and just calm the nerves down and then i got in there registered and then you have to wait a bit gave the documents over at that point i was a little bit nervous because i'd seen some people being rejected they'd forgotten to take some papers with them so they just turned around and like okay okay lord have i got everything with me that i need for this and the guy's like just don't worry we're here for you we we want you to we want this to work out i'm like are you for real you know <laughs> okay all right so a u.s official like we're here for you we want this to work Okay. So that happened. And then I go for my interview and I'm thinking, wait a minute, other people, they've been up there for 20, 25 or 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 30 minutes. <sighs> Here we go. At which point they asked me the simple question. Um, how did you and your, your now wife meet and how did you propose? And the, just two questions. That was it. I'm like, but I've got all this other stuff with me. I've got all these other papers with me. Anyway. Um, uh, I was done in less than five minutes. And if I hadn't talked so much, it would have been less than two minutes. I'm like, wow, how phenomenal is that? I mean, it, it was quite comical because uh, my wife and I, uh, we've uh, always communicated over WhatsApp from when we met. Because when we met, I was working out in Guernsey. So I'd fly off on a, on a Monday morning. I'd fly back on a, a Thursday evening. So I'd be away. So we would just be chatter, chatter, chatter on WhatsApp. So I looked at a transcript of WhatsApp. I took out all the pictures and that just line by line. Do you know how many pages it went over? Nearly 1,600 pages of A4. So I, I was like, well, wait a minute. I can't really print off all of this to take to the US Embassy for my interview because I want to prove that we've had this dialogue going since 2019. So I took a few pages at the beginning, a few pages at the end, took that along. And at my interview, I'm like, are you seriously not going to even ask me about my, you know, how I've communicated? I've done all this. You know, I've got all these pages. No, weren't, weren't interested. <laughs> wow what a what a story <laughs> that's that's good then the great thing is when i actually got into america um uh within that was a july the 27th i flew in it was my freedom flight 
And um, uh, my social security number is dated July 31st. And my green card came through just a couple of weeks after. And so when I say that when, when God opens doors, things happen quickly. I'm not joking. I thought it was going to take months. Yet some things just happen. It was awesome. Praise him. Well, that's all fine and dandy, but have you bought a pair of boots yet? I do have a pair of boots. Do you have a hat to match? Oh, yes. I have a hat and I have the belt and the buckle. Welcome. Yes, sir. Welcome. And, and, and um, we have been known to pop to the thirsty horse to go and do a bit of dancing. <laughs> And apparently I look like a local, but I certainly don't sound like one. So people do stop and stare. <laughs> Great. But you know what? You can't, you can't beat a bit of the Western dancing compared to, you know, in, in the UK, the guys, ha- I, I think they, they lack respect uh, for women. Whereas here in America, it, it, was, it was lovely to see. It was lovely to watch like some guys from older generation just go and ask these ladies, will you come and dance? And they'll, they'll, they'll dance with these guys and, and just brilliant absolutely brilliant um yeah no, never seen anything like it so i take it you dance ray i do i do i like to dance usually just in the shower no 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 oh no just joking i man <laughs> i grew up two stepping and you know all the fun stuff i was i was fortunate enough i grew up in a in cibolo texas was where i lived when i went to high school in shirts and there was a place up the road called the blue barnet palace that i'd been working at since i was probably 13 years old, been going to the place, and I met a lot of country western stars there. I met George Strait, uh, Steve Warner, Randy Travis, a lot, a lot of, well, you probably never even heard of any of them, but... Uh, I've heard a couple of the names, but not all of them. Yeah, you know, a lot of great stars, and, and it was just a lot of fun. Dancing is fun. I, I liked it a lot. Now, you've, you've had a pretty busy few years. How have you managed to keep everything together? <laughs> Well, do you know, it, it's, it's been interesting. So if we go back a little bit, um, after my marriage failed, um, I was pretty much in pieces for a year. I had a pastor friend who took me in and, and, and looked after me. This is back in the UK. And, and uh, yeah, a Christian brother just went, look, you messed up, Kian. You, you really were an idiot. Um, but I, he just showed Christian love. And um, it was uh, early on after to after separating and things going just really bad that I was out on a walk um I had a cocker spaniel back in the UK and um I was out for a walk it was dead at night and couldn't sleep too well walk along by the side of the canal and, and and this is where test me kicks in because it was on that walk I was just stopped in my tracks I could take you to the place where it was on this canal um where I really heard the voice of God going are you listening now are you listening now? I've taken everything away from you. I've stripped your life bare. Are you listening now? And I remember just falling to my knees and, and just crying, just crying and crying. You know, in my 40s, just a man crying, broken, utterly broken, and just repenting of sin and just dealing with some stuff there with God. I, I'd been to Bible college. Um, I, I'd been serving as a, as a, um, a missionary. And there was a, a Bible verse that I used to preach, depart from me, I never knew you. And I used to preach it, assuming it was for other people. Kneeling down there on, on that canal road, um, canal side that, that night, realizing that scripture had been God trying to get my attention for years. Mm-hmm. Because I thought I was a Christian. I thought I'd become a Christian at 21. Um, I'd had a wild life up to 21. I was absolutely off the rails, um, totally messed up. 
and I thought I'd become a Christian and I, I became very Christianese and um, would, would Bible bash a little bit and be very outspoken about things. Really, I was just a jumped up start, um, egotistical, self-centered person who really still hadn't dealt with anything. And been off to Bible college as saved, been a missionary, and yet I wasn't saved. That night, God got my attention and got to deal with sin and things got transformed. That then put in motion a whole nother way of living because then there was a purpose. Then there was actually um, a realization that I'm not living for me, I'm living for a higher calling. And that was just enormous. Did I get everything right overnight? Not a chance, you know? And my wife, when, when she tells me off sometimes, I'm doing things wrong or I'm saying things wrong, she's like, oh, for goodness sake, you're supposed to be a Christian, you know? You need to sort yourself out. I said, yeah, but sanctification is lifelong, darling. Mm. I love that. And it's not an excuse, but, but we're on a, as you quote that word, that, that, that journeying, we're on a lifelong journey. Am I going to get everything right straight away? No. And did I make a ton of mistakes still? Yeah. Do I still make mistakes? Yeah, but there is a higher calling and I know that there is that. And I'm still probably, you know, uh, five years down the line, probably still dealing with some pieces, still dealing with some stuff. But my heart is for service. My heart is for Christ. So I don't know if that answers your question. I probably got, went off a bit of a tangent there, right? That's okay, because it leads me to my next question. How do you define purpose in your life? The purpose for me now, it, it, it's all about Christ. To quote Mark Driscoll, it's all about Jesus. And that is so true. And I, I, I feel that actually that kind of mentality is really starting to shape me now. There are certain clients I work with, actually an employee is a Christian. I've, I've been working with them on maybe a four month project. And I've spoken to that employee every single day. And that, that employee is a Christian and we've just been able to share about faith. We've just been able to share and, and, and encourage one another. Uh, and so that's a calling I feel. I want to make Jesus famous in the marketplace. The Benham brothers, Christian entrepreneurs who've been a massive influence to me about Christians being in the marketplace. I've really got that in the back of my mind is actually we need to stand up and be counted. We, we can't hide our faith. We, we can't avoid talking about Jesus for the fear of upsetting someone. It's not, no, you, you go and do it. You know, will some people ridicule you? Will some people look down on you? Yeah. Yeah, they will. But you could also be a tremendous blessing mm. and you could encourage some of those people maybe are struggling in their faith who are struggling to come out of the shadows and, and perhaps you could bless them. I love that answer. So Kean, I want to take a step back and, and ask you about your family. How's your family adjusted to the move from the UK to the United States? Uh, do you know, th th this is probably the, the toughest aspect of, of life right now. So I, I have four children from my first marriage my wife, Victoria, has two children from her, her first marriage and blending is not straightforward. I have three older children who are grown up who I'm immensely proud of. They're doing so, so well. Uh, but because of dad's past mistakes, there's no closeness right now. And it's an aspect where I'm praying for reconciliation and I'm in it for the long haul. I'm trying really hard not to pester or anything like that. I just give them space and they're just praying, okay, God, when, when you're ready, open the door. My youngest one, he's eight years old. Uh, we're very close. I miss him terribly. It's extremely hard being away from him, but I will be seeing him real soon. Uh, I'll be in the UK for a week and we're going to have a blast. I can't wait. Uh, we'll have a ton of fun, which will be just awesome. So no, from my perspective as a father, being away from my children, having learned the lessons that I've learned over the last few years of what it is to be a father, 
of looking to the father god whose heart is for his children and learning from that like i just want to be with my kids i want them to see uh, a, a different dad uh, a dad who's a softy you know um i think that's it's highlighting the fact that uh, you know i've got this husky sitting down beside me right this second it's a rescue husky and she she matters to me because I've just got a, a soft heart now that I would never have had before. Would I have ever taken on a rescue dog in the past? No. Once my mind was made up, I would have been stubborn. And now, you know, Victoria's gone, well, could we, could we look at a rescue? And, and I've got this beautiful husky now who means the world to me because God's softened the heart, you know? But my older kids can't see that right this second, and that's, that's tough. Victoria has, as I say, two children. Uh, one of them is at university at, in England, and her daughter lives with us here in America. Um, you know, I, I tell a lot of people, I'm so proud of my, my daughter. I'm, I'm proud of all my kids, but my, my stepdaughter, is, we're very, very close, and I, I, I love her to pieces. She's become a Christian, and she, you know, she loves the Lord. She loves the scriptures. She, she loves um, learning. She's 15, going on 16, probably going on much older than that. And um, she, she's just a, a lovely individual, very loving, very kind. Uh, my youngest lad um, thinks the world of her. Can't wait to see her. And um, you know, she's settled really well into into Texas life. She's missed friends back in the UK, but she's got a great life here and opportunities that we would never have had back in the UK. Mm. I love that. So yeah, fam- family's hard. Mm-hmm. Family's hard. I, I I would love to be able to sit here and go. Do you know what? It all worked out day one. We blended the two families. The kids all um, love each other. We see each other on a regular basis. We will have regular communication. I would love to say that. Uh, and one day I hope that I can say that, but not right now. And it's hard. It's one thing that still makes me cry. Um, when I go out my prayer walks in the morning, I take take the husky Evie out with me and, and sometimes the, the little Yorkshire Terrier as well. But every morning I prayer walk. So anyone who lives in the area that I live, uh, you're going to hear this Englishman walking and praying out loud. Uh, I have been known to sing as well. And I, I make no apologies for it. But I pray for my kids. I pray for situations out loud. And um, it's a real blessing. Yeah, everyone hears me talking right from the moment I wake up. Believe me, brother. That's great. And and. The reason I brought up or asked that question is because it's real, right? And this is something that someone out there could be going through a similar situation right now. They could be on the verge of making a bad decision with a wife and kids and just need to hear this because with every every decision we make, there's a consequence to it, whether good or bad, you know, and it's, it's things like this, like real life that people need to understand happen. I mean, it, it, it happens. And it's, it's usually because of a bad decision that sounds cool at the time, but ultimately it ruins lives and, and destroys relationships. And I'm glad that you're working on bringing this together. I'm glad you found your purpose and that things will work out because we both know that they will. Definitely. Definitely. However, in the interim, you know, it's, it's also, and I say this word a lot, I'm big on awareness, m- making sure everyone kind of understands that that life isn't always going to be easy, but we have choices, right? And we can, we can lighten the load by making the right choices and knowing where to look. And so I appreciate you sharing that with us. Tied to that, Ray, actually, if I may, is that I was reminded a couple of years ago that uh, a lot of the time, and if I talk to, to Christian men here particularly, we... we we walk a, a tightrope continually. 
you know, it, it's like that, that, that razor, razor sharp ridge line on a mountain. And I've walked a few myself in the past and you can fall either mm-hmm. way, you know, and actually when you, when you're walking like that, um, making that right choice can be really hard. I put my hand up and I go, I made, I made mistakes. I made wrong choices and I knew that they were wrong choices, but I lived in the moment. I lived for me. I was self-centered, as I said earlier, and I was so unwise. So if there's people listening to this and, and you're walking that ridge line and you know you have some choices, really make, make that choice wisely. Because actually, when you make that wrong choice, the consequences at that moment may not seem big at all. But as I will testify, they can be absolutely enormous. And the ramifications are just huge. Is it worth it? No, not a chance. Absolutely no way. It is just not worth it. I, I would love it if people avoided what I've gone through. Thank you. Now, in, in the world that we live in today, there's chaos, there's destruction, there's noise all around us every single day, every single minute at our fingertips. How do you manage to stay centered and focused on your purpose and your mission? That's a great question. I mean, for many years, I struggled, really, really struggled with that. Now I, I'm finding it easier. Uh, when I separated, I found myself in, in the book of Psalms, and I just couldn't get enough of it uh, and did deep, deep dive into the book of Psalms. And it set me on a, a, a new journey. Do I succeed every day? No, but I try really hard to make sure I'm in the word because that's where we're getting our, our life food from, you know, and that, that's what helps us to, to live out life. I've also been really blessed to make a couple of really good godly connections here in San Antonio with men who have just come alongside me. I'm part of a, a, a men's Bible study and we're currently looking at the discipleship essentials. Um, it's by um, Greg Ogden, just brilliant book. And it's been really helpful to me. My heart is evangelism. My heart is discipleship. And so the, the timing is perfect. So actually when, when you've got that desire and you know that you need to be reading the word, it helps to just keep you on the right track. And as I say, I love prayer walking and it's just a great way of using my time wisely. Just walk, pray, just keep seeking God, but not just at that time of the day. Like my my wife and I, we work together. We try to start each day together in in, in our office. It's the dining room, uh, but it sounds grand with a prayer and just committing the day to the Lord and just allowing God to do his thing in and through us. Do we do it every day? No, let's just be honest. Let's just be real here. You know, I'm not a perfect Christian. I'm far from it. And as I said, you know, sanctification is lifelong. I'm on a journey, but I try to do these things on that daily basis. That's amazing. I hope that makes sense. It made perfect sense. And, you know, it's creating those daily habits, even though they may not be perfect at first, eventually will come together and create one white line. So I love that. Thank you for sharing. Part two of this question is that many people are struggling to find their purpose because they see all of this stuff around them. They think that the right way to live is not the right way. We we have uh, distractions on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, uh, all kinds of social media outlets. Then you have Hollywood and just different things. What advice would you give someone who is currently searching for their purpose? Well, it's an interesting one. I suppose linked to that would be my, my thought about people's definition of hell and people's definition of heaven today. When I was younger, when, when guys like us were, were, were younger, when we talked about hell, 
it was talked about in in a real sense that per the Bible. Whereas nowadays people see it as a party scene. And so they, they think that actually go, going to hell will be fine. We, we use it in, or you hear about it being used in language as if it's kind of nothing. And yet that actually completely and utterly disorientates people. And, and it's the wrong way of looking at it. And I, I remember using an analogy um, years ago about tsunamis. You know, you're, you're kind of standing there, you're bracing yourself and then the tsunami hits you. And, and can you can you keep standing in that tsunami? No, not a chance. And what people need to understand actually is the seriousness and the reality of hell is that actually when you get it, when it hits, you're not going to stand. And it's not somewhere that I would wish anybody to go to. And there are some people that I've, I really struggle with in life and maybe don't have the biggest amount of respect for. They're not, they're not Christians at the moment. And even them, I would never wish anyone to go there. And so actually when you've got all these distraction things going on now and people are searching for purpose, I'm like, well, let's understand where do you want to be for eternity? Our life is just a, a tiny portion of eternity. You know, you take that, that never ending piece of string and we're here on this earth for just a tiny portion. And, and people then go, well, I, I'm just going to live in the moment now, but they're not thinking about an eternal perspective. And I would really encourage people to think, well, do you want to go to hell where there is no presence of God, there is no joy, there is no happiness? It's not a party scene. It is pure wrath. Or do you want to live in harmony with the creator of all things, the one who is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and be living in a place where there is no heartache, there is no pain? And then it, I think it starts to frame, well, what, what purpose do you want to live for? Do you want to live for an eternal purpose or do you want to live for yourself? in this day and age now. Make a choice. Love that. You know, unfortunately, that concept of heaven and hell and Christianity has been taken out of so many things that we have generations that are coming up that don't even understand the concept. Like they truly live for now because they think that this is it. And so something that we need to try and do is again here comes that word is bring awareness that hey there's more to this you know whether whether you believe in god or whether you believe in the universe there's there's going to be more you know and and again your choices are going to determine what that more looks like for you definitely i've got one more question i want to ask you if you found a time machine on the other side of that tree behind you and you were able to go back and talk to your 21 year old self recently accepted Christ and you're about to start this journey, what's some advice you would give yourself? Great, great question. Uh, I thought you were going to ask if I could go in a time machine, when would I go back to, which actually leads me to a funny story. We did that recently with, with um, my, my wife and I with, with, with the daughter. And um, I said, I'd, I'd like to go back to Bible times. I'd like to have seen things going on. I'd like to have seen Jesus teaching, etc. Do you know what my wife said? Huh. I'd like to have gone back to the 1980s because that was the time I, I loved all the music and stuff. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, bless her. Um, no, if I, if I was going to go back to 21, live for Christ. Put him first. Um, ignore your own wishes and desires. Set them to one side and, and live for him. There's a world that needs to hear about Jesus. Go tell that message. And don't succumb to temptations don't allow yourself to be diverted from the calling that is placed upon every single Christian in Matthew 28. 
just stay true to that call. Great advice. Great advice. You know, you had me thinking now, I think about that timeline that we're here on earth. I just, the way you just did it, you know, when you think about eternity and the time we're here, I just closed my eyes and thought back to me being 21 and how that time has just flown by. Like I can literally just close my eyes, mm-hmm. blink and think about it. And then here I am again at my still young mm-hmm. and ripe age. We'll just say that. <laughs> if our guests would like to get to know a little more about you and your company and what you do, is there a website that they can go to, to, to contact you or get more information? There is, there is. If they'd like to go to www.kvimpact.com, um, you can see a little bit of what we do there. If you're interested in some of the other stuff that we do and maybe some of the things that are coming soon, you can reach me on email at Kian, so that's K-Y-A-N, at kvimpact.com. Awesome. And I'm also going to throw your LinkedIn profile on there as well. So we'll put all this in the, yeah, in awesome. the show notes and that way people can just click and go. Fantastic. Superb. Kian, well, it's been awesome talking to you today. Thank you so much. Balanced Purpose Podcast was created and hosted by me, Ray Trevino, and is produced and edited by Nick Goltney. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Check us out at balancedpurposepodcast.com and on Instagram at balancedpurposepodcast. Remember, finding your purpose is a journey, not a destination, and it takes time and effort to achieve balance. Make it a great day.